Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Football Podcast. Our thanks as ever to Rehoy and Son for their support of the show. Coming up this week, we'll hear all about how the revamped Aztec Academy um, is hoping to... Uh, to produce and mould future generations of Ireland footballers. Um, lots of work going on behind the scenes uh, with uh, Guernsey's best young players. Um, we'll be hearing from Ross Allen, the academy manager, and Rob Jones, um, who, uh, of course, is now uh, owner of the Aztec Arena and the coach, uh, well, and founder of the Aztec Academy uh, and a coach as well, um, now returning to, to get involved. We'll also talk about the latest from the Premier League, a really interesting uh, weekend of results there, uh, and reflect on a, um, well, a dominant display from GFC on the road, but another defeat for them uh, as their relegation worries uh, intensify. My name is Tony Kerr, and with me to do that this week is Gareth the Prevo. Hi, Tony. And James Fowler. Hi, Tony. Good to see you both. Um, James bringing the festive spirit, corking a piece of knitwear there. F- festive football sweatshirt, Tony. Yeah. Good to see you. Um, Let's start with the Premier League because, uh, yeah, it was a pretty interesting uh, selection of results. Well, certainly um, eye-catching. Uh, Saints going down 6-0 against Sylvans. Um, Rovers 5-2 winners over Alderney um, and a goalless stalemate between North and Wreck. Um, let's start with the game you were at, uh, Jim, which was, of course, uh, Alderney Rovers. Rovers will be the uh, biggest beneficiaries of the, of the weekend's results the way it's gone, given that... Uh, None of the other big four, inverted commas, uh, won. But, uh, you know, Rovers were pushed uh, very hard by Alderney on on the 3G. Um, Didn't really look that way. Uh, They scored within two minutes, could have scored even earlier than that. And it looked like it was going to be a bit of a cricket score. But uh, Alderney dug in, got a a foothold in the game, scored a very good equaliser. Uh, and uh, you know, unfortunately for them, second week in a row, really, the last ten minutes on the on the three G uh, killed them off. Yeah, they were two one down to Sylvans uh, on eighty minutes last week and ended up losing four uh, one. And this week it was two all. And then Martin Savinov scored with eight minutes to go, and bang bang, two more goals, five two, puts a, a gloss on the scoreline. I mean, maybe by you know on chances made, you could argue it was not an unfair scoreline. I mean, you know, Alderney more or less had three shots scored two goals and hit the post um but uh, it was uh, you know rovers will be will be happy job done uh, and i think you know given the way that the other results have gone they now find themselves on the shoulder of the uh, of the leaders at Valrec at christmas time you know and they maybe will fancy themselves going into the uh, second half of the season you know in a good position uh, i believe seb co would have been quite happy to uh, <laughs> to be in the position that rovers are that's a, an old reference. <laughs> you calling Valrex Steve Overt, are you? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this is quite interesting, isn't it, when you look at the table now. Um, let's just mention Sylvans, of course, um, uh, in red-hot form, um, 6-0 winners against Saints, who did lose Jason Martin, I think, to a red card. Yeah, poor Jason Martin didn't have the best of uh, afternoons. Though, cause the first goal went down as a known goal to him, which was an in-swinging uh, corner, which he sort of helped into his net. And then a couple of minutes later, he handled outside of his area and, and basically had to go. I think so. Um, yeah, that was, helped with uh, Saints' downfall on that one. But yeah, you talk about Sylvan's being informed, Tony. I haven't actually been on the podcast since I saw them beat North, which I thought they were excellent that game. And then since when I think they've won three games. I don't know if they've even conceded in that time and scored 18 goals. They've won four games now. Yeah, well, the North game was that game that I saw. Yes. Since right. then, they've scored. Oh, yeah. yeah. They've won three. I don't think they've conceded. Yeah, one they've scored four. 18. I mean, that's a heck of a record. And I know John Colonnette was sort of thought they were playing well before that run, and they've sort of certainly proved it. And you'd, 
Um, they've they've jumped up to second. Obviously, they've played a lot more than everyone else. But uh, yeah, they're they're proving to be a real force, and they are having a big say in the title race already. Well, that's the issue, isn't it? Because you know, they are second in the table as things stand, but they've played so many more games than everybody else. It's kind of hard to to treat them credibly. But in terms of performance, they are very very credible. Uh, I think Corey Burrard has made a uh, made a difference since his return. I'm not sure how long he's around for. Seb Smead was playing on. Uh, Saturday, we haven't seen him uh, in the Prio for quite a what you know, maybe a couple of years getting on for. Um, so you know, you wonder how many of these guys are, are staying around and what else can Sylvans do. But I think, and given the other result, uh, North uh, Valrec, which I'm told by observers, there uh, we were best to gloss over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we picked that as our big game of yeah. the weekend, unfortunately, <laughs> in terms of entertainment. But you know, as we said a couple of weeks ago, the top four will be taking points off each other, and I think that's still true. But the, the top four is no longer the top four. I mean, uh, North are down in, in six place and and really you know and given you know, all of these uh, efforts in the last couple of weeks you've got to say I think people or teams will continue to be taking points off each other which uh, leaves for a very exciting finale for the second half of the season yeah the table is all over the place isn't it as you say North down a six Bells have played six Sylvans have played 12 um, so there's a, yeah, there's a, a lot of football um, to be squeezed in and, uh, and around um, the, the schedules kind of in the new year. But yeah, uh, all heading in a, in a quite an exciting direction. So that's the Premier League this weekend. Um, away from the island, GFC were on the road um, at Northwood, uh, a side who were just a few places above them, uh, sort of towards the bottom of the Isthmian South Central. Um, we obviously didn't see the game live, Gareth, but we watched the highlights. It's remarkable actually having seen the chances and you know there might be some generous editing them you know there might be some northward half chances that didn't make the cut yeah. but on the basis of what of what we've seen there it's remarkable that gfc lost that game 2-1 well it's remarkable how gfc only scored one goal from from what i've seen of the chances they made i mean they absolutely i, I won't say they battered northward in that first half because like you say we, we, we you only see sort of like the select highlights of it but how gfc weren't hadn't scored at least probably two or three before half time seems seems utterly remarkable um yeah i mean there was, there was stuff coming on on the underside of the bar and sort of amazing saves goal line clearances and everything and anything going on so yeah just judging by that and by the, the report that harry jones has put together with um tony vance and, and harry was actually at the game commentating as well it, it was very much um very much a case of Guernsey FC deserved something from that game, probably all three points, and they've come away with nothing. And, you know, if they put in those sort of performances but um, become a bit more clinical, they could put sort of several past a team in the in the near future. And, of course, they've got a big game coming up at bottom place, Binfield, this weekend. So you sort of hope they create a similar amount of chances, just convert a lot more this weekend. But is the lack of goals becoming a, an issue for, for GFC? I mean, everybody keeps talking about performances are there, you know, it's just... You know, when we're not far away, we'll take on the big big boys as well. But I, I don't know what their uh, scoring record is like. But it seems that's the Achilles' heel at the moment, isn't it? Well, I take great comfort from the fact being an Everton fan that that was, we were doing the same at the start of the season. And now we've suddenly started to put some results together. So I think GFC only just need to start start putting the ball in the net, and they will get a few more points. Um, I'm I'm still sort of 
a bit in agreement with Tony Vance that he's not yet sort of worried about that. The, it is a very tightly congested league and a couple of wins would raise Guernsey FC probably three or four places quite quickly. And um, so I'm, I'm, on, I'm not really panicking at the moment. But yeah, like you say, Jim, they, they do need to start turning those decent performances into points pretty quickly. Yeah, they're certainly not cut off um, towards the bottom. Uh, and that Binfield game represents pretty big opportunity to to try and um, try and get those uh, get those points on the board. Binfield, I think he got done eight nil by Marlow a couple of weeks ago. So um, if there's a game to to get some goals and get some points, it's probably that one. So uh, we'll see how it goes. That's on Saturday, and then uh, GFC um, back at home um, between Christmas and New Year. Um, well, quite a busy uh, couple of weeks really for them, isn't it? Because then they're on the road on New Year's Day at South Park. So um, yeah, we'll uh, we keeping track of that in the press. Uh, we should pay tribute to Matt Loring as well, shouldn't we? who uh, became the GFC record appearance uh, holder. I remember when he was a young man. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems like that's going to bounce around between him say, and uh, Donnie. Although, to be, fair, to be fair to Matt Loring, his recent sort of fitness and health record is, is a bit better than Jamie Dodd. So, in fact, I, I wouldn't be surprised now if Matt Loring sort of holds it for quite a while because, um, yeah, if he, he's putting together a string of very fine performances and putting together a good run of games. Um, so, yeah, congratulations to him. He's 370 now appearances for GFC and uh, you'd imagine he'll be a very regular fixture for the rest of the season as well. So he, he could be pushing towards the 400 mark. I mean, you think he'd get 400, wouldn't you? But um, Oh, yeah, I'm sure he will reach 400 at some point. Would you go any uh, way beyond that? The way he's been playing and the way he's sort of adapted his game sort of as, as he's gone old, grown older... Um, yeah, I, I, he, he seems to have a great appetite for the game. Speaking to Matt earlier this this season, he just he's just really enjoying his football at the moment, and he's sort of like bringing in the youngsters into the GFC sort of ranks has given him a bit of a new lease of life. And uh, yeah, I, I, I certainly wouldn't rule him out pushing sort of well past the four hundred over the next couple of years if he stays fit and interested. His versatility in you know in various attacking roles means that. You know, his opportunity for game time is probably maximised or even perhaps making an impact off the bench. You know, if he still wants to to uh, to turn up uh, week on week, one mm. thing, see so he'd get a chance to get on the pitch more. Well, if Dave Merris has anything to go by, he's got about another 10 years. Yeah, like, yeah. So, yeah Dave Merris hit an absolute belt of an attempt over the weekend and he's still playing at a very high level. So, yeah, no reason why Matt can't keep going. I must say he took his goal very well as well at the weekend. So, yeah. Um, yeah, fingers crossed he, he keeps himself fit and uh, yeah, keeps influencing games for GFC. Welcome back. Let's talk uh, about, uh, well, future generations of Ireland footballers now. Perhaps uh, 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 the next Matt Loring um, is among uh, the Guernsey Academy cohort at the moment. Uh, there's been a fair bit of change there this season. It's a, a revamped, sort of revitalised setup led by uh, Ross Allen, um, who is Academy Manager this year. Jim, this is something that goes back about 10 years or so um, as Rob Jones uh, will tell us in a minute um, uh, yeah something he started with Darren Atissier and it was it's kind of in the bedrock of, of sort of elite youth development hasn't it? Yeah you're almost getting on for 15 years I think but it's quite remarkable to think that we didn't really have any formal academy product I don't think uh, up to the, that time and then there was a brief flirtation with Bristol City that Steve Lansdowne was was involved in and then effectively I mean you know, they, they didn't run off and do their own thing but Darren and um, and Rob effectively did do their own thing but you know got in almost in-house with with the GFA and, and set it up I mean I, I coached uh, with them for a season as well in the very youngest group uh, back in that day there must have been about 2011 something like that I suppose uh, then it became 
formalises as the GFA Academy. It's gone through some rocky periods. And also, it's not, uh, you know, I'm interested in, in what they're doing now. I mean, I think the, the whole approach and the offer is very much stronger. I mean, when, um, you know, a few years ago, the offer was spend your Friday night on a wet, cold and windy Victoria Avenue uh, under you know, gen- uh, you know, generator-powered lights, uh, You know, everybody scrambling to get in and out of Victoria Avenue of an evening, one age group coming in while another age group was going out. It was The whole thing was quite miserable, um, you know, for, for, for parent at least, if not the, if not the, uh, if not the player. And, and frankly, we've seen, and maybe this is you know, a Guernsey trait as well, but we've seen a lot of players in the academy, you drift out of it for whatever reason, you know, don't like the Friday nights, take up another sport, get a bit... Yeah. And the, one, the, the big challenge of Guernsey Academy football is the games programme. Yeah, who are you going to play? Um, you know, unless you're paying a couple of hundred pounds a time to go over to get, you know... Uh, you know, either you play a team you don't know what the what the opposition is going to be, or you go to an academy and you get whipped, um, which you know is a kind of decent experience, and then also not a great experience. It's very very difficult, I think, in Guernsey terms to manage uh, academy football and a games program. You know, we used to go Jersey quite a bit. They, th- that was a mixed affair as well. Sometimes you'd be playing in tournaments where on you know small sided games on pitches that were minuscule you know anything who's getting it yeah who's getting anything out of this compared you know playing in tournaments where compared to bwci which is a quality tournament put on in a quality way these were mickey mouse things sometimes and um you know not the not the greatest uh advert for the game so it is a tough um uh thing but i think you know now playing at um on 3g playing at aztec uh for those training sessions and i think they've um at one point, it was a kind of very broad uh, operation where they were trying to, you know, bring a, a fairly big groups on, you know, twenty plus in each age group. Now is it more more like a dozen per age group? And I understand there's almost like personal development plans for each of the each of the kids, um, which you know can only be of a, a benefit, I suspect. Again, you know, whether it will hold every single player, but as you know, from a GFC perspective. You only need one or two lads per age group to yeah to come through. Maybe you know, arguably the same for for GFC w- uh, women as well. You know, if you if you're picking up one two great players over you know over a ten year period, suddenly you've got an amazing squad that covers a, a whole age range as well. So you know there is uh, um, yeah a. Uh, 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 Ambitions uh, can be different for every uh, for every child and for every group, but uh, you know at the end of the day you have to. If we are serious about developing our football, you have to have a serious product, and I think that's that's the direction that they're very much heading in. Yeah, it certainly sounds like there's real renewed focus and ambition with the academy setup. As you say, Jim, that games program I think is something that's being considered, and also um, the, yeah, the way sessions are structured with fewer players and and you know a kind of a, a higher sort of benchmark to reach, if you like, to be uh, to be a part of it. Well, to find out all about the changes and what they're hoping to achieve with the new look Aztec Academy, I caught up with Ross Allen, um, the academy manager, and Rob Jones, who, as we said, um, founded uh, the original academy and is back involved now on the coaching front. Back in 2008-2009, um, I was coaching at Valrec and my good friend Darren Latisse was coaching, uh, Mayer's dad obviously was coaching at Saints and the GFA at the time didn't have a formal academy product per se. 
Um, so we thought, well, let's just do it ourselves. And so we we decided that we would we would cobble together the best 14, 16 players in the under that age group and, and try and get a, a, an away games programme. Um, so we, that very first year, it was sponsored by the Aztec Group, my, my former employer. Um, and we used that to um, undertake a su- succession of trips to the UK. And we played we played Southampton, we played Bournemouth, Brighton. We had a fantastic, you know, one or one or two seasons, um, and it was great experience. Really, really good experience for the for the children. And, and obviously, Alex Scott was was part of that. Maya Maya was part of it. And obviously, we're not ta- we're not taking uh, <laughs> we're not taking <laughs> anywhere near any of the credit for that. But um, those that was the caliber of, of players that we were dealing with in those days. Um, fast forward a year, we we ca- then we came up with the next group, and then another year after that, we came up with the third group, and then we started to liaise better with the GFA who obviously wanted to get on board and quite rightly so because I'd, I'd become it was almost a full-time job for me as well as my full-time job so it was t- it was time to pass to pass the buck on the GFA came in and did a great job and formalized the whole process and brought it within the auspices of, of the GFA and the FA and everything that was done you know with the safeguarding and everything which was right and proper and from then um, it's built up and now here we are kind of 10 12 years on I'm um, sitting around the table with you know with with Ross you know, taking it to the to the next level, I think. Um, so that's a potted history. Yeah, fantastic. And Ross, fast forward then to today. Um, what does the academy look like in the 2023-4 season? Yeah, so I think, um, well, just going back a few years, you know, when I came back 2019, um, you know, got involved with the academy as part of my um, role with the GFA. And um, I think, you know, within a couple of years, Gary had... Um, given me the full-time sort of role of academy manager so I was you know delighted to to do that and and start to oversee the project um and I think you know the last few years we've we've sort of as coaches um felt that we lost our way a little bit I think everyone's kind of um appreciated that and understood it and part of the problem was um you know once kids were selected once they got in even if at a younger age they were they were kind of in in for for good um up until we start to get to representative football so um you know naturally groups have built up over the years and and we've started to get some groups which were you know high 20s which when you're trying to do hour hour and a half session um with only a couple of coaches half a pitch it just wasn't you know really feasible um i think the kids were were struggling to get as engaged as they should be and and ultimately a lot of them you know maybe were in their comfort zone right because they're not being pushed that the, there's no jeopardy really so we um we've been thinking about it the last year or a couple of years and i think this was the right time to to make some sort of wholesale changes have a little bit of a, a reboot a revamp um especially with um aztec the aztec center being our our main sponsors in this new facility um, having a great connection with that and, and raising the level of football um, across all you know junior ages. So we thought, okay, let's let's revamp the academy. Let's put uh, you know everyone on notice. Really, we did from last season, um, and we had a whole real retrial of our current group, um, along with you know high performing players at club level. A really good trial process, which um, from that we've you know selected groups of roughly 16 um you know a more sort of relative squad size um and so suddenly you know i think we've been seeing in the last few weeks you just having that smaller number just allows us to do so much more as coaches um in in sessions the kids are probably more engaged we're definitely 
um, more engaged because we can do more. Um, you know, we can't, we don't just have to put them in, in matches to keep them moving. Um, we can do some really good structured sessions and funnily to the point where we're almost running out of time in the sessions and the sessions are longer as well now. Um, but yeah, there's, there's so many ideas that we're, we're able to bring. Um, and, and yes, some have missed out and some good players have missed out, but I think this process has also allowed us to connect better the, with the ones that do miss out um, and keep tabs on them better and, and still offer the, you know, the door is always open. It's, it's now a, a totally fluid process and whether that's looking at players again within the season, if they're performing well at their clubs or we see them um, at tournaments and things like that, or, you know, whether, um, you know, we just encourage them with other ways to develop and then for the following season, you know, we'll, we'll be able to look at them again and say, look, you know, there's going to be spaces available. So I think it's a, it's been a much needed thing um, the last few years. And, and on top of that, hopefully it's going to allow us to have more structured um, games in and around our training sessions. The training sessions are the, are the main way we're trying to look in and develop these players. It's always got to be like that. I think, you know, the limiting factors of being on an island um, realistically on on island matches we can only play say club teams of the age group above to to get some competitive games um so the training has to be the main focus how can we improve these players make them the best that they can be so that when they are going back to their clubs you know they're improving their club teams as well that's that's part of our job um so yeah it's been a really you know challenging busy few months um and a summer of you know re rethinks and and going over lots of new ideas, but um, I think we're I think we're there and we're in a really good place at the start of this season. Yeah, fantastic. Just remind me what age groups we're talking about. So yeah, so the restructure we we now go from um, under nines to under fourteens, um, so year uh, year four to year nine, and then fifteens uh, upwards. Um, so under fifteens, the star trophy, under sixteens. Um, they originally were part of the academy. Now they fall under, you know, um, sort of official representative sides, and and they've had a bit of a restructure as well. Again, um, trial process and squad selected to just to make that again a bit more competitive. Um, and again, the door being open, um, you know, for players to come in and out of that squad during the season, depending on performance. So, yeah, I think it's been really important to kind of. Um, sort of have the academy as the the building blocks the foundation um before coming into you know those representative age groups so hopefully the more competitive environment within a you know training and, and the matches that we can provide as the academy sets up these players for for when they are coming into 15 16s um and you know all the way up to seniors and for you rob you're as you say involved uh, coaching as well yep. um what's been the motivation for you to to kind of get a whistle in hand if, if you still do yeah i well i've i've never stopped never stopped coaching so you know i'm involved with saints and have um, with the under 13s and work with them for four years um but the, the academy, I, you know, as Ross says, that having the ability to work with, with a smaller group of players and really focus um, is the attraction. And as he says, you know, the, the, the sessions go so quickly. It's so much fun. And the, the children are so engaged. Um, and it's, it's definitely been the right thing, the right thing to do. And I think, <clears throat> as Ross alludes to, you know, ultimately we, we need an end, an end game, an objective, something to, to work towards. And I think 
over the last few years some criticism has been thrown at, at the academy that there isn't there isn't an end game there isn't an objective all we do is training sessions and th there's no ultimate you know what are you aiming for and i think i'm working really hard at the moment with ross and and externally to to come up with a, a logistical framework where we can get the children off island um, at least once or twice a year even if it's to jersey um, but that that gives a line of sight it's aspirational i want to go I, you know i want to be part of this and i want to go and travel because i think having that exposure to playing different players different teams different jurisdictions is absolutely vital um, and that is the icing that is the icing on the cake and that's i'm working hard um, and there's a number of people I've had conversation with who are willing to sponsor and get involved. So I'm, I'm hoping we can get a consortium together and each and every age group will be able to travel away um, or, or even receive teams here and actually have a meaningful games programme. That's really good to hear. Is that something on the cards for this season or, or beyond? Yeah, very much, very much this season. Um, as I say, we're, it's, in, it's in, in its nascency, but as I said, there's a, there's a huge appetite from the parents, from the players, from us. Um, and I think, you know, at the end of the day, Tony, it all boils down to money and sponsorship. And I think, you know, we're on a good trajectory. So I'm, I'm hopeful that we can we can come up with some good announcements um, over the next two or three months about the end the end game. That's very exciting. And yeah, that end game. I mean, for for some, that might be hopefully professional contracts down the line. When you look at the players that have gone away in the last few years, how much of a, an extra spark has that put into to what the academy does? I mean, it, it must be hugely motivating for a, a young footballer in Guernsey now, knowing that there's this kind of this pathway. Absolutely, and I think you know you look at you look at the role models that um, that Alex and Maya present, and the way they conduct themselves, and you know they're, they're the first ones down here when they're back in the island. You know they're spending hours down here, and, and you know the, the the kids absolutely love it. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it's you know it's not just the pro footballers that that the role models. It's you know you look at the GFC players, and you know they are. They work, they work really hard and the players look up to them that you know everywhere you see around here everyone's wearing GFC shirts and I think I think that the and having the GFC women coming on board now you know we've got a burgeoning um, young young girls ladies section um, which can only be only be good for, for for the future yeah awesome and Ross what what do the sessions look like that you're able to run these days obviously um, we've got the new stadium coming down the line um, you've got this fantastic new facility here how, how is that kind of or, or yeah, just talk us through kind of how you structure sessions as uh, uh, as a coach and, and what you want to see the young players doing. Yeah, I think um, you know. I well, firstly, I, th I think with the the younger ones, it's all about it's all about ball mastery and getting as many touches um, on the football as possible because we want them to to really hone their technical skills. Um, so when they get to those older sort of more teenage years, they they've got all the you know all the tricks, all the tools in the toolbox to to then implement in a in a game situation or um, when we start getting into the more tactical and psychological areas of of a football match um, yeah so those younger years it's it's small-sided stuff um, you know just giving them as many opportunities to to be put in different situations under pressure you know overloads underloads all that kind of stuff and then yeah when let's say when we get them a little bit older we can get them more structured in whether it's nine aside eleven aside and then learning about shape tactics you know what do we do in this situation when we've got um, more players how do we exploit the space um, what do we do when we're 2-0 down what psychological elements do we have to deal with emotions um, yeah so it's it it's really exciting to now you know just have a bit of a more blank canvas to kind of um, to work with and like I said um, before I think you know for me it's it's been about getting getting the basics right getting this whole um, program set so 
we're going down and everyone's enjoying training coaches enjoying training the kids are um you know keen and happy to to be there and be involved and and have a willingness to learn um and like rob said with the, with the smaller numbers you get that focus um so for me that's that's been the main thing get that right on a on a weekly basis and then from then you can build and and that's that's when other opportunities games um trips away it, it all becomes more feasible because the you know what we've got some solid foundations to work with yeah and rob it's still early days obviously in terms of this new setup or this kind of revived setup if you like but does it feel like to you that, that you've got the kind of that, that we've got the balance right now absolutely and and <clears throat> look at look at local football grassroots football is in a really good place the clubs have fantastic mini sections and i think you know what i wanted to see you know coming into football full-time now is is that pathway you know you have you have your grassroots you have your development which we're you know keeping an eye on you have your academy and we haven't talked about the high performance yet which is which is you know the real um something that we offer down here on a on a i'm loath to say exclusive but you know for the for the high performance basis and maybe ross can talk about that in a minute um but i i don't think you know from you look at some of the results on a on a interinsular level haven't been great but i i haven't felt so positive about local football you talk about the stadium is going to be a game it's not for today but that is going to be a, a huge game changer for for the island um having almost a two center ability indoor here academy down at down at the new stadium um it really is going to be a game changer and i wish i was i wish i was 11 years old again to be able to uh, avail myself of those facilities but so you know sadly not but i i'm i'm feeling massively positive about the direction of travel and i think i think the football community as a whole is now more collaborative than it's ever been um and long may that continue that's really good to hear um yeah ross uh, rob mentioned that high performance stuff there what is that what does it look like <laughs> First and foremost, it's this is more of a collaboration between Aztec and um, the GFA Academy. So it's a, you know, Aztec-led um, sessions down here in the indoor centre on Wednesday. Um, but it's it you know it's come from the the academy, the the coaches between um, year six and year nine, so under 11s, under 14s. Um, the coaches have selected maybe three to five um, really high-performing players within those um, age groups. So there's a carrot there for the play, the other players within um, those academy groups to work hard in training and try and break into the high performance. And uh, and yeah, so we offer an extra session. It's you know totally covered by by Rob and Aztec um, for these kids to get an hour in here. Um, we have two age groups at a time, so year six and seven, and then year eight and nine. And it's just a you know a forum where we we can do loads more technical stuff. Obviously, this amazing facility. Um, use the technology but also come up with some different ideas mini matches um, with restrictions things like that just to, but it, ultimately it's another hour where they get to play um, with some top players really puts them under pressure um, and like Rob said I think um, you know f we feel like this you know these sessions have been really successful over the past year um, and these kind of ideas are only going to grow we're only going to be able to build these as we get the stadium um, you know the the dream is can we you know get at least two sessions a week for some of these academy age groups when we get this you know the stadium project is done um, we'll hopefully have the resources the capability to to offer things like that and that's only gonna make us better as coaches and the the players um, 
you know, <laughs> better and develop quicker because they'll just have more time together with us in a in a what you know I hope and I'm really starting to believe is a is a fantastic learning environment. Yeah, and for you, when you think back to your own development, I mean, and you look what's on offer now. Yeah. Is there any reason why we shouldn't be producing, you know, numerous Ross Allens going forward? I was telling my year eights yesterday we we need to produce more goal scorers. So um, yeah, hopefully they're gonna they're gonna take up that mantle. But yeah, no, I think for for, for me, look, I was very fortunate. I had um, I've said to you before, I had dad who was an ex professional footballer teaching me in the garden after school every day. So I did have a a heads up in that, but there wasn't really um, anything anything like this. on a weekly basis um, that's comparable at the time. Um, so, you know, if you add in um, these kind of experiences to, to, to what I had, it, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's just amazing where you think um, players in the past could have got to. And I think now with the, you know, that the, the, the pathway as it is, the opportunities, getting into a GFC squad when, when you're 16, if, if, if you're ready and, and, and willing to put in the work, um, and then the connections um, above that that we we now have, yeah. It's <laughs> I know I'd like, I just keep reminding the kids it's just work hard and 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 things will happen for you. So yeah, it's a it's it's an amazing um, it's an amazing pathway that you sometimes just got to step back and stop and look and 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 appreciate um, what's available now. Um, on top of all the like Rob said, the brilliant work the clubs are doing. Um, and I think a, a big part of our goal um, as, as GFA, Aztec, we, you know, and GFC as well is, is staying as connected and collaborative with the clubs because, you know, players and parents are, are crossing over between, between all of them. So we've just got to stay connected and it's only going to benefit everyone. Yeah, is that something you're keeping a close eye on, Rob, in terms of that club connections or club connections? Um, it, it, yeah, there's a lot of different stakeholders in Guernsey football, and it sounds like there's a lot of ambition within what what the academy are doing to to do as much as possible. But do you need to kind of watch how much happens and and, and how you interact with the clubs? Yeah, completely. And when you see the footfall down here, particularly the younger age groups, the four v fours we do on Fridays and Saturdays with the uh, three, four, five, six, seven, eights, the parents and a lot of the parents are coaches. So having you know that collaboration and you know I know who the coaches are now at each of the clubs that say under 11 under 12 and, and so does Ross um, and we have we have a great rapport and I think I think it's it's important to say that this year we've got a lot of young coaches coming into the academy and I think you know we should never be considered a closed shop it's not the preserve of the GFA um, and you know I'm, I'm sure I speak for Ross and we say any aspiring young coach out there who wants to present themselves and get involved with with the academy would be would be welcome with open arms and i think you know um the more different views that we have and the more um you know the more scope we have to develop coaches uh, as well as the kids is, is really really important um so i'd, I'd encourage i'd encourage that contact and we're sat here as of course rob it's been open a year yes a year to the day i think yeah. you said <laughs> um how do you reflect on on what you've achieved and and, and the impact it's had on local football in that time? I, well, it's it's beyond my wildest dreams. I I've, I was I had this vision, and and obviously Tony Vance and I have been speaking about this for five six years, and you know going over all ground here. But we we were looking for a site, we were looking for a venue. This became available, and um, you know post fitting out, we we thought, well, you know how how is this going to develop? Are people going to come? Um, are they going to be interested? And it's it's just been a fantastic journey to see it to see it build up, um, and the regulars who come in, uh, who use the equipment, all the technology equipment, the, the gym, as it were, 
Um, you can you can see them you can see them improving all the time. We do the one to one sessions, rosters one to ones. We've got Brandon, we've got Seb doing the one to ones, and Jack. Um, you can see the players improving week on week, and that that was really why why I wanted to do it, just to see like the joy on the faces of people when they can actually do stuff that they couldn't do before. Um, particularly with the younger kids coming in and seeing the centre for the first time, literally, you know, as I did when I was five years of age, once you know, just loving football, and that that's that's why we did it, and I think. You know, when you couple that with working with the GFA, with the academy, um, players have got a fantastic opportunity. But yeah, to answer your question in short, it's it's achieved everything and way more than we than we thought when we opened it. Have you got any other kind of ideas in terms of how to evolve it um, going forward? I think it's it's a good point. I think you know, if you you can't stand still in business, as you know, and you know we're coming up with new products. We've um, we've we've made some good hires here. We've bought some new games. Um, we've got. We've got offers. Um, ESA, who provide the equipment for us, you know, the, the guys, uh, the technology guys, are constantly updating their games. Um, we've now got ESA Plus, which is an online. We can play. We can play games against other centres around the world. So we're going to be in, um, launching that after Christmas. It gives people a chance to play against their friends in Egypt, or you know, and we can, as a centre, you know, as a Guernsey centre, we can um, we can play against other centres. And you know, if we top the charts, we get free, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So. Yeah, but you have to keep evolving and 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 refreshing, um, and I, I, I yeah I I think there's lots of opportunity to to keep doing that here. Rob Jones and Ross Allen speaking to me there. Um, yeah, great to hear about uh, the uh, revised, revamped, revitalised um, Aztec Academy, and uh, yeah, hopefully. Um, that begins to bear fruit uh, on the footballing front over the next few years. We'll look forward to following uh, following the progress there. Um, Jim's had to dart off, I think, to finish the paper. <laughs> but Gareth, he has other here. priorities than <laughs> speaking football. Yeah. Um, let's just a quick word about some of the other stuff that's been happening this weekend. Um, fantastic news uh, to see Alex Scott um, back in a Bournemouth squad uh, on Saturday. Um, certainly not what we we're expecting after um, reading the quotes from uh, from Iriola uh, in the week. It certainly didn't sound like. He was well. It sounded like he was on the way back, but yeah, not, it didn't not sound maybe... like he was on the verge of being involved in a matchday squad. Yeah. Certainly, I mean, the, the news was that Alex was doing some work on the training ground, but basically, sort of away from the main group while he's doing his rehab from his knee injury, which he sustained what, was it only about five weeks ago, if, if that really. Um, so yeah, to see him named on the bench against Luton for Bournemouth on on Saturday was a big surprise, and it's a real big fillip for him. Obviously, that. That game ended in a, in a sort of a horrible way when the abandonment due to the um, cardiac arrest suffered by Tom Lockyer and sort of obviously wish him all the best. Um, but yeah, back to Alex. It's just great that sort of he, he looks like he's going to be involved over the Christmas period for, for the Cherries and that's a real boost for them, I'm sure. Yeah, and they've been doing pretty well, haven't they, since uh, since he hobbled off in that Man City game. So it's quite nice in a way that he can come back into a... Yeah, an environment that she's probably feeling very positive, and where he doesn't need to be rushed uh, back. Right. When, when he was when he first came back in for those couple of games, it's almost like all hopes have been pinned on him because they they hadn't started the season that that well. But obviously, they're they're getting used to the new style under the new manager, and um, things seem to have clicked, like you say, Tony, sort of in in the last few weeks, and they've been sort of certainly picking up some really impressive results, and they'll look to continue that over what's going to be a busy period for them. Yeah, they've got a couple of nice looking fixtures: Forest away, um, Fulham at home, and. 
Spurs away over the Christmas period, uh, and then QPR in the FA Cup at the start of January. Good job, Jim's gone. Yep. <laughs> Jim with his QPR Christmas jumper on. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. And also, I suppose um, Alex will very much look forward to the potential of playing at Spurs as well, because I believe he's a Spurs fan. So yeah, that true. would be um, that would be a big fixture for him to be back for. Yeah, I'm sure he's eyeing that one up. Well, um, yeah, really good to see, and uh, yeah, we'll see whether he's involved uh, at the weekend against Nottingham Forest. Um, quick word about Mayor Letitia Man United because um, they had a tricky weekend um, it's been a up and down season hasn't it so far I haven't really it has they've um, they've sort of they, they've had a few personnel changes over the summer um, they lost a couple of their sort of best players and brought in some new ones and it's, it's just taken United time to gel and I mean I've, I've watched a lot since May has joined United and they, they, they do they televise a lot of their games and I was really impressed with them last season and they just haven't quite hit those heights yet this season. And uh, yeah, they, they sort of went ahead early against Liverpool, um, but ended up losing the game 2-1. They're a bit sort of out fought more than anything and United just never really got up to their, their usual standard. Um, so yeah, they're, they're not having the greatest time in the league. I, I think they'll struggle to get in the Champions League spots, which is a top three. They're, they're, they're sort of part of that top four, but I just can't see them sort of quite breaking into the, the Chelsea, Man City, Arsenal sort of top three. But in saying that, they have had a, a good start to their uh, League Cup campaign. They're top of their group in that with three wins from three. So, you know, at this point, if United, if you offered United perhaps some silverware this season, they'd, they'd sort of snap your hand off, whatever it is. So, um, yeah, there, there is plenty for them to look forward to in the new year. They just need to perhaps uh, perhaps a bit more time sort of spent together as a group over Christmas will, will help them gel. Um, right before we finish today, Rob Batiste has joined us in the studio to talk about, um, yeah, well, a legend of, of Guernsey football, really, who's uh, passed away, sadly, uh, recently, Art the Page. Um, Rob, who, uh, yeah, gave a lot of, uh, well, a lot as a player and coach. Certainly did, Tony. He was um, one of our great all-time coaches and captains, really. He slotted in at number 73 in our 2021 all-time top 100 list. Um, he was one of those players who categorise as an ultimate team man. And that's, that's um, you know, he's captain centrals originally when they were unexpected real force in the pre league. That was in the mid-60s. And they pushed St. Saints very, very hard um, in those days when they their home is at St. Andrews. And then he became skipper of Valrec, um, um as they burst through to win their first ever title. Uh, you could trust Art wherever we, as a player, he was one of those players, hard, um, from a naval background, um, very, very athletic and determined. And um, I remember, you know, he, in 1972, the Island Selectors in those days, it wasn't one coach back then gave him the ma a job of man marking Jersey's best player was Rory Crick. He was an outstanding attacker for first tower and one of the Reds probably best ever forwards. And the, the move worked retreat. And um, I did a bit of research and Rex Bennett wrote this. He stuck to his man like a shadow depriving of Jersey, not only one of the most lethal striking powers, but also one of their principal ball winners and Guernsey won the game. Art didn't dominate ma matches. He wasn't that type of player. He was just a hard-working midfielder or defender who played across the line. But he had a, invariably had a strong influence. He won 11 Marathi caps across a seven-year period. And as I say, after that period at St Andrews, he moved to the Corbett field where Noel Jeffries, who was the, a tough Gern and Valrec coach at the time, made him captain. And in their first season together, they won the league. And when Noel Jeffries departed, 
Art was the ideal man to take on his mantle and he led them to more glory. Um, Nigel LePage, who's no relation to Art, but was Valrex number nine in Art's time at the Corberfield, said that while Noel Jeffries worked very much on the physical side rather than the tactical things, Art was a no-nonsense coach. Um, anyway, GFA could see that themselves and in no time they made him the island coach and he was commanded huge respect amongst the best players in the island and I know I used to often pop into him when he was walking around his dog around the bridge in in the last 15 20 years or so um, but he's you know been in hell in ill health for quite some time and I'm sad to see him go but he was one of our top players for a long long period so yeah farewell art you'll be remembered well, thanks very much for for telling us a bit about him. Yeah, um, yeah some great memories of, uh, of of Art the Page there. Yep. Cheers. Cheers, Rob. Um, cheers, Gareth. Uh, fixtures this week. Well, not much really in terms of domestically, is it? Because uh, yeah, back with the GFA Cup um, stuff on the thirtieth of December. But yeah, as we said, GFC away um, for a, a big trip to Binfield on Saturday. So we'll be keeping an eye on that one for sure. Um, but yeah, we'll leave it there. So that's it for us. Uh, I think for twenty twenty three from the Guernsey Press Football Podcast. Um, so uh, yeah, thanks very much for listening. Have a great Christmas and New Year, and we'll see you on the other side. Yep. Yeah, Merry Christmas, everyone. 